Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> it may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Wednesday evening in the Kia Studios with you for the full four. We're asking you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much, but you want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone, take the Alexa speakers, take your tablet, take your Texas Instruments calculator, your Commodore 64, your dishwasher, whatever you got going on, download it on something today to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, the best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMSH316. So let's see who we've got here tonight as we spin the wheel of magical producers. We're in our stretch of not having the same person two nights in a row. Big bucks, no whammies. Big bucks, no whammies. Where are we going to land? It looks like it's going to be. No, it's not going to be Leaf Gar- No, it's Dylon tonight. Dylon at underscore Dylan Matthews. Dylon, 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 and Dylon. Because I spit hot fire. Okay, well, that's more Dylons than has been here the last couple of weeks. So um, we got more Dylons in that little clip than we've seen here in the last few weeks. So, anyway, so Dylan is back with us for at least tonight. I can't say about tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. I can't say Friday. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I know Friday you're not here. I'm not here Friday. Yeah, yeah, I will be yeah. back tomorrow, though. Yep, so, well, we just the, the important thing is to just enjoy the time that we have together, Chuck. Right, right. We, we've got plenty of Atlanta United soccer matches uh, to get to, so... <laughs> You know, you're going to be you're going to be busy. I mean, busy with that. I mean, not producing the show, but busy with Atlanta United soccer. So we we know where the priorities lie and everything with it. But um, no, uh, listen, we uh, we've got a lot to get get to. I mean, as they say in the South, we're busier than a one armed paper hanger here tonight. Uh, There is a lot of news to get into tonight. So let's start with first. uh, Jalen Carter has been charged with reckless driving related to the January 15th crash that obviously killed one of his teammates and the recruiting coordinator. So we're going to talk to Alan Judd, and I'm excited about this, and, and Dylan did a really good job of lining all of this up. He is the guy, one of the two guys, that actually broke the story on Jalen Carter having been at the scene and and everything along with it, and he's been on top of the story you know, since it happened, since you know the 15th of uh, January when all of this happened. So he is actually not a sports reporter or anything like that. He's the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's investigative reporter. So he's been doing a lot of digging, and he's got a lot of good information. He's got a very lengthy article. You can go to AJC 
com and check out all of his work. But um, we'll talk to him coming up live at, uh, at 740. And uh, I can already tell you, I will not get to all of the questions that, that I have in all this. Uh, that I've, I've, got a, I've got a whole notebook of questions to ask, and we'll just try to see how many I can get to in all of this. But um, um, just obviously an awful story. And look, before Todd McShay takes any kind of victory lap, I promise you, Todd McShay could not have known about all of this because teams were caught off guard. The University of Georgia was caught off guard by these charges and everything like that. So this is not a victory lap for Todd McShay. Because remember a couple months ago or whatever, he said, oh, well, there's going to be character issues for Jalen Carter. Now, he may have been referencing the fact that we do know now that Jalen Carter was picked up for a speeding charge where he was doing 90 in a 45 area. That we do know that that happened, but he could not have known all of this uh, was going on. And that was, um, uh, what, that was back on September 22nd when he when the judge fined him for the uh, September 20th. So, uh, yeah, for so September 22nd, he got a speeding charge of 89 in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. He was fined $1,013. Maybe that's what Todd McShay was talking about. But I promise you that he was not aware of all of these other things. So if he starts doing a victory lap, we're going to call him out on that because everybody was caught off guard by this. And, you know, again, even the Athens County Police Department said that this was a single car accident. The girl was driving too fast. We obviously now know toxicology results and things like that. But um, just just a, a bad seen all the way around where two really young people lost their life and it's just a real tragedy it's just it's not a football or anything like that it's a human and life tragedy of what happened in this whole event so we'll talk to alan judd coming up at uh, 7 40 uh hawks fall last night uh 119 116 a, a game that they probably should have won and I'll say it like this. They were 5-for-19 in the first half from three in that game. They could not get anything to fall. Now, they were 8-for-16 in the second half. But had they had hit a few more threes, just, just even, I don't know, three more, you know, they probably would have opened up a pretty decent-sized lead and, and probably really would have carried momentum. But then, you know, Trey Young had the foul at the end of the first half, and that was a bogus call, but... They got a chance to shoot three three for, uh, free throws right at the end of the half, literally is, is with nine-tenths of a second left uh, in the first half. Screwy refereeing game. They couldn't close it all out. Trey had a couple of looks at the basket from three. Um, the second look was probably better than the first look. But, you know, we'll talk about this at, at 9 o'clock. And, and we're going to get to a story here about – you know, one NBA writer who's talking about the Hawks have a Trey Young problem, but um, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But it was certainly a game that they needed to win and should have probably won. And here's the thing now. So the Hawks are on pace right now to have 23 wins at home, okay? That's four less than what they had last year. And really the way that they got to the playoffs last year 
was being so good at home. They were 27 and 14 at home. They're only on pace for 23 wins. So when we talk about seeding and different things like that, you know, besides, you know, well, we got to, you know, do this and do that. Remember what the home record is, is on, is tracking for. And I've been on this for the last couple few weeks. They have the majority of their games that are going to be at home the rest of the way. And they've got to take care of their home court business. And that starts Friday with the Trailblazers. And look, old friend Cam Reddish is going to be back in town. He'll actually play. He's been starting for them. Now, they got blown. Yeah, they they got blown out by Golden State. Well, actually, they were up at one point, um, I think by 15 early in that game. And then they got they were getting blown out last I saw by Golden State. When that game was, yeah, when that game was coming down the stretch. You know an interesting stat? I think they are two and four uh with Cam Reddish playing. When he scores seven or less points, they're two and zero. Oh. When he scores ten or more, they've lost all four of those games. It makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, adds up. Yeah, taking too many shots, probably bad shots, and oh, yeah. they're losing. Yeah, when he's yeah. not shooting that much and not scoring as much, well, they're winning. I, I I do think that he was, and I want to look this up. I do think that he ended up four for ten last night from the field. So I think I think he was a really solid four for ten, and I think he was. I believe, let me just look this up real quick so I can confirm. Um, yes, he was two. He was four for ten from the field, two for seven from three last night. So Cam Reddish for MVP next season. Yes, yes. And he had a minus six, which actually wasn't all that bad. Um, but anyway, so they will be in town with Dame Lillard and the, and the guys. You got to win this game. I mean, it's, it's becoming, I don't want to say must win, but if the Hawks have any any inclination of moving up in the standings, you know, you've got a red-hot Knicks team in front of you. You couldn't beat Washington last night. They're going to play three times over the next 20 games, including next week where they got that Fakakta thing that they're playing two games in three nights coming off of a road trip to Miami that they play two games in three nights at. You know, they'll, they'll play – Two games and three nights against Miami starting on Saturday and then Monday. And then they go to Washington on Wednesday. And then Wednesday, Friday, um, they play uh, they play at the Wizards. So, they're, you know, they're doing that whole travel thing or whatever like that. But this was a little bit weird that they're putting two of these road trips back-to-back like this. But you're going to play the Wizards three times in the next 20 games. And they're nipping on your heels. And that was a big win for Washington. As much as the Hawks needed a win, that was a big win for Washington. Certainly, really kind of the, one of the other stories of the game is Bradley Beal just was too much to handle last night. No, nobody could guard Bradley Beal. And, and when it was late in that game, he got what he wanted. He ended up with 37 points. He took 30 shots in that game. 30 shots in the game. Kyle Kuzma took 26. But listen, they were without Porzingis and – they were without some of their players. Hey, listen, if I'm the Wizards, Bradley Beal is my main guy. If he's got to shoot it 30 times for me to win, he's going to shoot it 30 times for me to win. That's how it goes. So, uh, Hawks will be back in action coming up on Friday. We'll obviously be on with you after Hawks basketball. But, Dang. you know, they, uh, yeah, they, they, they need to win. Like, they need to protect their home court and, uh, and certainly – have to amp up that home court record, and then they're going to go on the road 
all next week where they, they make two stops in Miami and Washington, and we'll see how things go there because they've not been a very good road team. So uh, no time right now to start dropping games and allowing other teams to catch them or, or pull away from them in the standings. Uh, very quickly, too, KSU advanced last night. We talked about this on the show. So they will take on Lipscomb now as they were winners over Stetson. Nice hats, uh, but they were they Lipscomb win one and um, KSU advanced by just a point over Queens University. So uh, they will hook up here in the A Sun tournament. It's our last gasp for college basketball. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think Georgia's going on a run in the SEC tournament. Yeah, you know, actually, Tech is playing pretty well. They blew out Syracuse last night in Syracuse. I don't think they're going to win the ACC tournament. So this is probably the last gasp for, you know, basketball in the state of Georgia to get to the NCAA tournament that if if KSU can't get it done, then I guess we're not going to have any, anybody representing us. All right. So one NBA writer says that the Hawks have a Trey Young problem. Do they? We'll review this article and give you my thoughts on it. Coming up next, Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back with you, John Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening. 404-741-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316 on Twitter, he is at underscore Dylan Matthews. We will talk to Alan Judd coming up here in just about 20 minutes from right now. He is the investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution who broke the story and co-wrote it. Uh, The idea that Jalen Carter was at the scene of the January 15th crash that uh, claimed a couple of lives and uh, obviously just a terrible situation. So we'll talk to him in 20 minutes uh, or in 20 minutes from right now. So Bill Ryder is a... CBS NBA columnist and or reporter or whatever he is. The headline of this article that he's got here, and and this is an interesting way to phrase the headline. Quote, the Atlanta Hawks have a Trey Young problem. What did he say? Let me finish. Quinn Snyder is there to fix it one way or the other. Now, he goes on to talk about. Now, here's my... First off, this is my biggest problem with the overall article is he said he's talked to he's heard from GMs and front office executives and things like that. And he doesn't source any of them, but he uses direct quotes that he got from them. Okay, now I don't have a problem with telling him with him saying that sources said this, that and the other. But when you start directly quoting people that are anonymous sources in this article, that's where I have the problem. That, that's where I get sideways. If you don't want to out your sources, 
then don't directly quote him. If if you you can say that, you know, I talked to one GM and he said that, you know, you could put it in your own words, not use direct quotes. Because if you're going to quote somebody in an article, then you should talk. To, you, you should be able to speak to that person on record. If you're going to use their words on record, then we should be able to know who that is. But okay, so all of that. Um, so here's a couple of things that that he says in this article. Uh, he says the emerging power dynamics in Atlanta and the big decisions that will follow surrounding Trey Young and his teammates meant Snyder was best served getting into the job as soon as possible. And he goes on to say that he talked to some front office people, and he was asking why Quinn Snyder would take a job like this so late in the season. One said the money. One offered why not. Um, And then there's also one that said another possible bite at the playoff apple. Um, Love of the game. Then he says an itch. Uh, an itch the coach had to scratch after so much time away from parting ways with Utah and and on and on and on and on. So everybody kind of had a different philosophy about why that this all happened as quickly as it did. Now, he also goes on to say, starting with the locker room, it's no secret that there's a serious disconnect between Young, the team's star player, and many, though some say nearly all, of his teammates. He is not beloved, sources say, and there's a strong view that Young fails to lead. Now, if you're going to put those kind, put that kind of information out there, because that is very speculative, when it just sources say, you know, maybe all... I, see, I don't like the tone and tenor already that this article is getting into. And then they bring up this um, this little nugget. Um, several sources mused, um, and, and they're talking now about the front office and everything, okay, because they went, they talked about the locker room and then the front office. Several sources mused the other side of the equation regarding the front office. Snyder getting 21 games this season to evaluate Young will give him the insight to whether or not he even wants to build around Young for the remainder of the coach's newly minted five-year contract. Now, again, I don't know how much you're going to learn in a 20-game sample size. I don't even know how much you're going to learn. But are we making rash decisions with the coach and front office and everything like that about how we're going to proceed forward? We're talking about 25% of the year. We're we're already three-quarters of the way. And, and you're catching this team at the end of a long, exhausting, underachieving run. You know, if you had a whole offseason and the team was, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed going into the year and you evaluated for the first half of the year and things like that, that may be more in line. But the idea that we're going to come in after three-quarters of the season to a franchise that is underachieving – and get the real snapshot of what this team is or is not, and whether Trey Young can coexist or not, I, I don't know that that's fair. I, I just I don't see how that's fair. Now, this is the one that um, that that got to me in, in all of this, okay? And I'm going to read this verbatim from the article. Tony Ressler, the billionaire in question who owns the team, 
as seen as obsessively focused on winning and is severely ambitious in how quickly he wants that to happen. And as The Athletic reported in January, wrestler's 27-year-old son, Nick Wrestler, has a massive influence and visibility in the day-to-day running of things. One nuggets that illustrates the strange politics of the place, there are whispers that Fields, meaning Landry Fields, didn't want Snyder hired in the first place, and that Corver was the one, by managing the wrestlers effectively, who pushed for Snyder's hire. Now, obviously, we heard the complete opposite of all of that. Do I think that the forces in general manager, assistant general manager, had a big influence on Tony Wrestler? Yes, they were pushing for a narrative. But this would not have come down five, six days after you fired the last coach, hire an outside guy, pay him top-tier money, give him a five-year deal, and all the things that went along, and then bring him in three-quarters of the way through the season? That's Tony Ressler. That, that's all on Tony Ressler. And as the article says, obsessively focused on winning and is severely ambitious in how quickly he wants that to happen. And I've said this consistently. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. They are not throwing away this season. They are win-now mode. And that pendulum has, has to swing back toward where they were a couple of years ago versus the direction that it's going. They're getting further and further away on that pendulum from where they were a couple of seasons ago. They want to get that thing immediately back in that way. Now, I don't believe that Landry Fields didn't want Quinn Snyder. Do I think Landry Fields would have liked to have had more time in all of this? I do. But I think Tony Ressler had the directive of, We've got to get a guy in here. We got to get a top tier guy. We got to make a splash. We got to make a move. We got to do it now. Pay him the money that it takes. Because all the coaches that make at or around the same money that Quinn Snyder is making Nick Nurse, Spolstra, Bud, Doc Rivers, Steve Kerr what do those five guys have in common, Dylan? What, what do all five of those coaches have in common? They're getting paid a lot of money. Well, besides that, that's the. That was already established. What's the second thing all five of those guys have? Say an NBA championship. An NBA championship. Yes. And the only guy that makes a lot more than them is the guy that's got five or whatever NBA titles. I mean, how many Pop got? He got three, five, whatever. He's, he's got five, I believe. Yeah. Four or five. So he's the only so he's the really outlier that makes above all those other guys, but he's got five titles for it. But all five of those guys, including Nick Nurse, remember that was the that was the um, the Kawhi year, uh, the the Kawhi year, yeah, that they won the title. All of those guys have a championship. You paid them championship level, and then they go on to say that um, everyone in Atlanta is trying to figure out which way the wrestlers want the wind to blow. Yeah, I do think that. Now. Here's the other thing, and this was brought up by the guy that we had on, what's the guy's name, Andy Larson? Okay, Andy Larson brought this up, and I played the quote that he said. Here's, here's, what, here's the dynamic, and this they're going to use a quote in here from somebody. 
the the kind of dynamic Snyder offers, or sorry, the kind of dynamic offers Snyder's a chance, as one person put it, quote, to have the voice with the Hawks if he can manage up with the owners well enough he felt he didn't have in Utah. Everyone knows how important that is to him, meaning a say in personnel, the direction of the franchise, whatever that means. And I'll say again that if this does go pretty well, and I'm not saying they're going to go 18-2 and two down the stretch and make a run of the Eastern Conference Finals, but if there is some success with all of this, don't be surprised if there aren't moves made in the offseason to put Quinn Snyder in a more higher, let's say this, a higher elevated position to have more influence on the roster, a.k.a. president of basketball operations or something like that, which is the title Mike Budenholzer had, which is the title Travis Schlenk had. I don't know. I don't know if Landry Fields is president of basketball operations. I know he's the general manager. Look that up, Dylan, if he's if he's the president of basketball operations. Because it was Travis Schlenk's title, and Landry Fields was reporting to Travis Schlenk. So, okay, this is now multiple sources or multiple people. And I had David Locke on on my um on my podcast the other day who's the voice of the Utah Jazz. What do you got? It is Landry Fields. Okay. So he's got, right now, he's got president of basketball operations. Now, I had David Locke on my my podcast the other day, and he's the voice. He's the longtime voice of the Utah Jazz. And we had Larson on. I had David Locke on. Talked to a lot of people that are directly around the Utah Jazz program. And they all spoke very highly of Quinn Snyder. Says he's the smartest guy that they've ever run across. But they also agree that, he's going to want to have some influence in the direction of the franchise that he's not simply just going to coach. And let's be honest. Okay. Um, What have some of those other guys had control in has, has doc rivers had any kind of control and personnel and things like that? Oh yeah. Still does in Philly as, as uh, Popovich ever had any control. Oh yeah. Okay. So when you're paying that kind of money, I don't think the expectation is just to sit on the bench and run practice and coach 82 games and things like that. It's bigger. It's the BBD. Now, again, I'll say I don't like the phrasing of the t- the headline that the Hawks have a Trey Young problem. I don't like the idea of using direct quotes from non-accredited sources. But I will say this, that Trey Young – John Collins, DeJounte Murray, all of the guys on this roster, they need to get on board with Quinn Snyder. And I I do think that if guys aren't on board with Quinn Snyder, then those guys will be finding new homes. And by the way, that's not next year. That's not six months from now. That starts, mm, you know, today morning. That's how quickly this thing has to come together. And I really do think that the Tony and Nick Wrestler are the ones that have been driving this whole thing and making all of this happen. All right, Alan Judd is going to join us up next. He is the investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We'll talk to him about this Jalen Carter story. He obviously 
broke it and co-wrote the article for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We'll talk to him next. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, Nights on the Game, the Odyssey.com app. Is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I am at JMSH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. Well, obviously, the Jalen Carter story is first and foremost. The biggest story right now is Jalen Carter is up in Indianapolis at the Combine. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on here. But we head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. We bring into the program Alan Judd. He's an investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And he, of course, broke and co-wrote the story about Jalen Carter being at the scene of this horrible accident that happened on January 15th where a Georgia player and a uh, recruiting director were killed. Uh, Alan is also on Twitter at Alan Judd with two Ds, the number 3000. Alan, thank you so much, and I appreciate you jumping on the show with us tonight. Sure, thanks for having me. And and by the way, I will apologize in advance because my mind has got – 95,000 things I want to ask you, and I've got all my notes and highlights and everything. So if if I jump around a little bit from topic to topic, uh, I hope you will understand because I've got more questions than I'll be able to ask you in this in this interview. So um, I do appreciate okay. the time. But um, so we know that Jalen Carter left the scene of the accident and was gone for about an hour and a half. So. I guess the report is that you guys uncovered that Bryant Gant, who's the football team's director of player support and operations, was he the guy who reached out to Jalen Carter to bring him back? I mean, is that how this went down, that Carter left and Gant had to call him and bring him back to the scene for the police to uh, interview? Yeah, that's 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 what we we understand um, from what we've what we've seen some documents we've seen about the uh, what was happening at the scene. The uh, one of the supervising police officers who was uh, you know looking into the, this accident uh, knew that a bunch of of Georgia football players had had gathered there, and he was curious how they knew um, that this had happened. And you know, apparently was suspicious that this involved racing, partly because of just the, the speed involved um, of the crash. So he um, he finally got uh, some of the players to say that Jalen Carter had been the one who called and said this happened. Um, he he went over to Gant, who was on the scene, and asked him to bring to bring Jalen to back to the to the crash site so he could be questioned. So I guess one question is too. Why did the Athens police make this, in in their statement that they released, make this sound like it was just a simple single-car accident because LaCroix was driving too fast? Why did they not say something like, hey, listen, we're still investigating, we're still gathering information? Why was that narrative put out from the very start? Well, that's a really good question, and we don't really have an answer to that, unfortunately. Um, That's kind of what we've been asking ourselves, because – 
from really the, the beginning, they they said this this again as you say it was a single car accident, just a tragic thing that happened uh, because she was driving a little too fast. But then um, even within a within a minute or so of of when the crash happened, they were getting calls to nine one one saying there were other cars involved. There was another SUV that was stopped in the road and somebody was out out of the car looking around and he got in the car and left. Um, you know, other other cause of that nature. So it was clear from what they were hearing from witnesses who lived, mostly from people who lived in those apartment complexes nearby, that there were other people who had been uh, possibly traveling in the same, at the same time and you know, roughly at the same rate of speed as the car that, that ran off the road. Alan Judd is an investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He co-wrote the story about Jalen Carter being on scene for the January 15th accident that tragically ended in a couple of fatalities. He joins us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Was Bryant Gant the only official representative from the University of Georgia? You mentioned about several players that were on site. Were there any, do we know if there was any coaches? Were there any, was there anybody else besides Bryant Gant who was on the scene as a representative for the University of Georgia? Not that we know of. Um, you know, we reported a couple weeks ago that um, Gant had been on the scene, that he actually had been the person who um, who called the chief of police in Athens in in the, in the middle of the night and notified him that UGA players and and a staff person were involved in this in this bad accident. Uh, the chief instructed his uh, subordinates to you know talk to Gant at the scene, allow him on the scene. And um, um, he 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 apparently goes to to a lot of scenes like this uh, or things of this nature with involving interaction between football players and the police and does some sort of inter- intercession or, you know, uh, he calls I think he calls himself a liaison with law enforcement for the team. So one of the players that was involved in the accident um, that obviously I guess Warren McClendon made the initial 911 call. What was that? Was that what happened that he made the initial call? Well, actually, his phone, um, his iPhone automatically called 911 uh, from the impact of the crash. Um, any, any iPhone or Apple Watch, for that matter, will do that. Uh, it, it calls in and gives the 911 operator a um a GIS location, latitude and longitude of where the the accident has been. Um, he did not actually make the call himself. The first call was from someone in another car. We don't know really who that was or what car they were in. Um, but then there were um, a number of other people who called who were residents of that of the particularly of the one complex that the car ended up. Um, striking. You mentioned in your article as well about there's a voice besides McClendon's that could be heard saying things, kind of yelling in the background. And and the quote that you had in the article, quote, what y'all driving that fast for? Do we have any idea who that other person was? Did that initially raise suspicion from the police or, you know, like, when you hear that, uh, I mean, obviously some red flags should probably immediately go up. But do we have any idea who the other person in the background that was yelling and talking? 
We don't know. Um, we we have reason to believe that it was another player. Um, there were a number of players who had been together in downtown Athens with um, with several uh, members of the recruiting staff. Um, uh, that was the day of the big celebration for the championship where they had the parade and the ceremony in Sanford Stadium. And a group of them went out to uh, some bars in, in Athens uh, that evening and ended up at a place called Toppers, which is a, a strip club in downtown Athens, really near the, the north campus. Um, and they left from there about 2.30. We've seen the surveillance video that the city has that shows them coming out. And then a few minutes later, the, the series of cars that belong to the, some of the players, uh, you know, you can see them driving away from downtown in, in the direction of this of this crash, which was about uh, maybe three miles away from downtown. Alan Judd is an investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He broke the story on Jalen Carter being at the scene of the January 15th crash and involved a recruiting uh, coordinator and a player that were killed on uh, in that uh, crash. He's joining us on the waitfor.com hotline. One of the other questions I had that, and I, I, maybe this is more for a lawyer, but, you know, Jalen Carter was charged with reckless driving. And, and you wrote in the article that he gave conflicting accounts of his story. Maybe he wasn't honest. Again, if he was at the scene, he left the scene of, you know, a fatality. Why was Jalen Carter not, I mean, let me put it like this. Why was he not charged with lying to the police or or giving a false account, or why were there no other charges besides just the reckless driving attached to him? Even if it wasn't his fault, he maybe gave false statements to the police. Why was he not charged with any of that? Um, that's another good question that the police haven't answered. Um, you know, I think they're keeping a lot of that kind of information to themselves until this is uh, adjudicated in the, you know, the court system. Um, they they did issue warrants for uh, reckless driving and for um, street racing, uh, which is a, a, you know, separate offense under, under state law. Um, but, but they did not, uh, um, you know, look at, as you said, making false statements or, or, or even any kind of culpability for the actual uh, uh, crash itself. And we're not quite sure why they chose to stay, stick with the two, um, I won't say minor charges, charges because they're not minor, but, but you know, they, they are misdemeanors um, and uh, uh, don't really totally reflect this, the, the situation of what happened. Last question for you, Alan. Um, so one of the other things um, about this is the, um, oh gosh, and I just, uh, I, I lost my place here, but um um, oh gosh! Uh, see, this is uh, this is what happens when my brain gets gets working uh, too fast and everything. Did Did you see the statement by uh, Jalen Carter that he released on Twitter today? Uh, I'm, I think I'm think obviously yeah. because you reported on it, but he he mentioned in there that he would be cleared of any and all charges, and I thought that was interesting because obviously he's been lawyered up. I'm just curious, and and again, maybe a better question for a lawyer. Why would they allow him to say something like, like, why would that be put out in a statement rather than just, you know, just something more vague in general than specifically saying 
we're going to be clear. I'm going to be cleared of all these charges and, and everything like that. It just seems like that that from a legal approach is just not the smartest thing to have done to say anything like that, because then you still open yourself up to all kinds of civil lawsuits in it. Yeah, it was a little, little un, un, unexpected. Um, you know, he was scheduled this morning, uh, I think at 1030 to appear at the podium uh, at the NFL Combine up in Indianapolis. And that was canceled at the last minute um, shortly after the news broke that, that these warrants had been issued and after our story came out this morning. And um, then a few hours later, the statement appeared on Twitter. It, um, you know, we don't know whether that was done in, in coordination with his with his agents or with the uh, legal team or or with anyone else, really. But um, it, it did take this approach of, um, you know, he's going to fight the charges, basically. I, I said last question, but I want to ask you one last quick thing. Um, we saw Devin Willock's family that um, they had, when this first happened, um, they weren't asking for toxicology reports and different things like that. We did see Chandler LaCroix was two and a half times, I believe, the legal limit, and Jalen Carter had even said that there was alcohol involved and things like that. Was that just a, a request by the family? Was is there is there more reports going to come out about toxicology reports, or is that just focus in on the driver itself? Just on the driver, the the local coroner had that had that that uh, test done by the state crime lab, and and that's pretty much standard protocol for any kind of fatal accident that they will test the driver, especially if the driver is deceased. Um, or if there's any potential for for the, for a driver to be charged, um, but they only did the driver, so we 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 won't know anything about the uh, al- alcohol level, if any, of the other passengers in the car. Alan Judd is an investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. You can follow him and follow along with all of his breaking news on his Twitter page at Alan Judd with two D's, the number three thousand. Alan Judd three thousand, and he joined us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Alan, I really appreciate the time. Uh, we may have you back on just because I've still got some more questions that I wrote down. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously very good reporting. And we thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Sure. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, we will get to a Falcons flyover. All your news and notes from the day with the Atlanta Falcons. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. <laughs> 